Well, Sudan has been a country under the ravages of civil war for quite some time now, and it's estimated that about one and a half million people have been killed in the civil war. In the Defer region alone, the UN estimates that more than 200,000 people have been killed and more than two million people have fled their homes. And some of those fleeing have made their way to our shores here in Australia. And one of the students in, uh, in my year at Bible College uh, was a Sudanese refugee, and his name was Bernard. And he escaped the tyranny of Sudan, and it's no surprise at all that Bernard finds living under the law of the Australian land much better than being a victim of the military rule of Sudan. For Bernard, being set free from Sudan to live under, the, under Australia's rule has been an absolutely fantastic thing. Now, it's this sort of picture that Galatians, in chapter 5, that it's all about. It's all about being set free from the oppressive rule of one to be under the great rule of another. It's a bit like Old Testament Israel. Uh, when God set them free from their terrible slavery in Egypt. Remember the Exodus? And he set Israel free so that wonderfully they could now serve him. They went from being the people of Pharaoh to being the people of God. Bernard went from the military rule of Sudan to the peaceful rule of the Australian government. And in Christ, we have been set free from the rule of sin to the glorious rule of God. The bit of Galatians that we're looking at this morning is all about being set free for the thrill of living for God. Now, if you ask Joe Blow out there what it'd be like to obey God, he's probably going to say that God's a bit of a killjoy and he really should just leave us alone so that we can enjoy ourselves. The problem with this is most people do go it alone without God. They choose to ignore him but they don't then end up being able to enjoy themselves. As we go it alone in this world, the result is a world filled with unhappy, unsatisfied, hurting people. Our lives have disappointment and strife and conflict and pain, and we often want things to be better, but the world doesn't want God to be the one to tell them the better way. Now, the Bible, on the other hand, is extremely positive about what it's like to live under the rule of God. The Bible is emphatic that the best way to live is God's way because God made the world and he made us and he knows what's best and he only has what's best for us at heart. And so as we come to Galatians 5 this morning, Paul paints this magnificent picture of what it looks like to live for God. If you have your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been set free from sin to live for God. And our privilege is that we get to be as creative as we possibly can as we enjoy this freedom. We can invent ways of pleasing our Heavenly Father. The Christian life is one of endless possibilities and opportunities of obeying our Lord. And The Christian life's an adventure. More of that as we go along. As we turn to the second half of Galatians 5, Paul first spells out uh, Christian freedom in principle, what it means to be free, and then he spells out Christian freedom in practice, what it looks like to be free. Uh, so you'll find 
that on your uh, outline in your bulletin. So let's first look at Christian freedom in principle. And I'm going to read from chapter 5 and verse 13. 5 verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Paul here starts off by telling us that we're free. And by that he means we're free from sin and we're free from the law. It's summed up really well in verses 17 and 18. So first, our freedom from sin. In verse 17, as we just read, Paul tells us that our sinful nature and the Spirit of God are in conflict with each other. We have this battle within us raging on. And that's amazing. That's amazing because... Without the Spirit, there is no battle. Without the Spirit, our sinful nature is just left alone to wreak havoc. But through Christ, we've been given the Spirit of God, and so it's game on. Our sinful nature has a battle on its hands. Uh, By the Spirit, we've been empowered, we've been set free to say no to sin and yes to God. The Spirit of God enables us to live rightly. We've been set free for God to live for him, set free from our slavery to sin. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. We're not going to get it right all the time. As Paul says, the Spirit of God and our sinful natures are in conflict with each other so that we do not do what we want. But such is the power of God for us that even when we do sin... We're not condemned because we've also been set free from the law. This is the point of verse 18. The law used to condemn us for our sin, but in Christ we've already been justified from our sin. And so as Paul says in verse 18, we're not under law anymore. We're free from it. It's a bit like the uh, world wars. Um, Thankfully, I can't remember them. But uh, towards the end of the wars, if you read your history books, uh, the result became certain as, we got, as you get to the end of the wars. It became obvious who was going to win. Uh, and in a sense, the war had been won, but there was still some mopping up to be done. There were still some battles raging on. Well, in Christ, the war has been won. Christ has once for all dealt with our sin. His victory has already been established in his death and resurrection from the dead. He has won the war against our sin. But there's still some battles raging on. The spirit of God and our sinful natures are in conflict with each other. But the outcome is certain. We know who's going to win. In Christ, we've already been justified of all of our sin, past, present and future. And so we're free. We're free from the law. It's not going to condemn us of our sin. And we've been set free from sin, empowered by the Spirit of God to live God's way. Now, what's this freedom look like? What's this freedom in practice? Well, it's a matter of sowing and reaping. 
we're farmers, if you like, in our own lives. We can sow to please the spirit or we can sow to please our sinful nature. Uh, What comes next in Galatians is that famous passage that we've already sort of started to look at uh, of the acts of the sinful nature and the fruit of the spirit. But where Paul ends up with this is in chapter 6 and verse 7. So quickly skip down there. Chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The man who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so these verses that we're about to read in chapter 5 of the acts of the sinful nature and the fruit of the Spirit, they're all about how we practice our freedom, whether we sow to please the sinful nature or whether we sow to please the Spirit. Uh, I saw the beginning of a TV show the other night uh, where the dad says to his two kids, guys, you know I'm trying to start a business. I'm trying to set it up. So for me to spend one Sunday afternoon every fortnight with you, that's a good thing. Right, guys? One Sunday a fortnight, that's a good deal. Yeah? It's very sad. Uh, Even though it was just a TV program, but this, this token effort towards his kids, it was clear that his children weren't where his priorities lay. He was... He was choosing to sow into his business and not into his kids. We are to sow into the spirit and not into our sinful nature. Our freedom, Christian freedom in practice, is to be spent sowing to please the spirit. So let's have a look. Chapter 5 and verse 19. 5 verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things... There is no law. Now, as we read these verses, I don't think Paul wants us to get down about here's a list of do's and don'ts, and I really struggle to get this right. We need to remember the fresh air that is being brushed across our faces in these verses. We're free. We're free to sow to please the Spirit. And we're free to not sow to please the sinful nature. We have been empowered by God to ride the thrill of living to obey God. Now these lists, uh, the acts of the sinful nature and the fruit of the spirit, of course they're going to be sort of opposite to each other. Uh, One's on one team, one's on the other. And so what we're going to do now is we're just going to look at some of the ones that sort of go against each other. And the first one we're going to look at is sexual immorality as opposed to faithfulness. By the Spirit of God, we are free to stop having sex with someone who is not our husband or our wife. We've been empowered by the Spirit of God to not even get into that situation in the first place. By the Spirit of God, we're free to not even open the door to so-called harmless flirtations. And so if you have a husband or a wife, you're free to have sex with them and only them. And if you don't have a husband or a wife, by the Spirit of God, you're free to not have sex. 
Because by the Spirit of God, we've been set free to be faithful to our husbands and wives. Even when it's hard. When your marriage is going through a rocky patch, there's that someone else who's paying you attention and you're feeling weak and vulnerable and that you deserve better and this someone else, they listen to you much more than your husband or your wife does. Even when it's hard, we're free to be faithful to our husband or our wife. By the Spirit of God, we say no to sexual immorality and yes to faithfulness. And guys, while we're on this topic, I reckon it's worth remembering that we're being set free by the Spirit of God to look away from the television, to look away from the magazine covers as we walk past the news agents. By the Spirit of God, we're free to not look up that internet site. We've been set free by the Spirit of God to treat all women with absolute purity. The next sort of opposites that we're going to look at is uh, discord, dissensions and factions as opposed to peace. When we disagree with people, by God's spirit, we've been enabled to not let it blow out into a fight. We're free to not fuel the fire and create discord and dissensions. We're free to not get a little gang of people on our side to fight against the other side. We're free from factions and fights. And by the spirit of God, we're free to sow to please the spirit and instead to act in peace. That when we have disagreements, we peacefully seek resolution. We live peacefully. We're going to differ on some things, sure, but we're not going to let it escalate into dissensions by the Spirit of God. We're free to live in peace. Uh, Next in Paul's list comes jealousy. And I wonder whether uh, the fruit of joy is some sort of opposite to jealousy So when we see uh, things that others have and we want them, might be their possessions, uh, it might be their happy marriage, it might be their well-off lifestyle or their holidays or their children or, or whatever it is, we're free not to get jealous. We're free not to covet whatever it is. Instead, we're free to sow to please the Spirit by being filled with joy, content in what you have in Christ. Because no matter what happens, nothing can take away what God has given you in Christ. Things we've been thinking about the last few weeks, the forgiveness of sins, justified before God, made into one of the sons of God, an heir of God, guaranteed of your place in, the, in eternal life, in the new creation. Nothing can take away that. And everything else that this world could possibly offer up as a temptation, it piles into insignificance compared to the things we have in Christ And so we've been empowered by the Spirit of God to be people of joy, content in what we have, free from living in jealousy, empowered to be joyful in the Spirit of God. Uh, The next sort of opposites that we'll look at is uh, fits of rage as opposed to patience, gentleness and self-control. We've all got buttons that can be pressed. and Yours are probably different to mine. Uh, What fires you up might be different to what gets me going. Uh, Maybe it's uh, your family, when little by little, day by day, they just do things that annoy you and then eventually you snap. Uh, It might be your extended family who have that, you know, that uncanny ability to know exactly how to annoy you and they always bring up that certain topic. It might be a kid at school who's always teasing you or picking on you. It might be someone at work 
who always knows exactly how to make life difficult for you, uh, whatever it is, whoever it is, by the Spirit of God we're free not to please a sinful nature and so fly off the handle in a fit of rage. Instead, by the Spirit of God, we're free to respond with patience and gentleness and self-control. The Spirit of God working his miracles within us, enabling us to hold our tongue, to count to ten, to be self-controlled in our dealings with other people, patiently bearing with them. We're free to be gentle. And the last ones we'll look at are selfish ambition as opposed to love. We've been set free to not just seek what's best for me, but instead we've been set free to seek what's best for other people. Now this is a beauty, I reckon. Because in many ways, sin is all about me. It's all about you. It's all about doing what you want, when you want, how you want, with whoever you want, and with no regard to God or other people. But by God's spirit, we've been set free to say no to this. We've been empowered to love, to look after other people, to act on their behalf. We're free to seek what's best for others. And that's hard work. We so naturally just want to live for ourselves. Our, our culture, our world is always telling us that you deserve better and if you don't get it for yourself, well, no one's going to get it for you. But we're free to love, empowered by the Spirit of God to actively look out for other people. Now, as we've gone through this, have you noticed that the fruit of the Spirit isn't very specific? Uh, you don't find any specific actions in there. It doesn't say Mark Gardner should take the garbage out once a week. It doesn't say you should make a meal for someone once a month. There's no specific actions in there. Instead, for the fruits of the Spirit, there's overarching attitudes that shape what you do, like love and self-control and gentleness. You see, it's been left up to us to creatively work out the specifics. For example, to avoid sexual immorality and instead be faithful, we can do more than just not sleeping around. There's a thousand and one ways we can avoid sexual immorality. There's a thousand and one ways we can express our faithfulness. The Christian life is one of great freedom and creativity and expression. It's an adventure as we live freely and extensively for the pleasure of our great God and Saviour. We sow to please the Spirit, don't we, in as many ways as we can. It's a bit like having that uh, someone in your life that you really want to please, and you'll go out of your way to do things for them. Uh, hopefully there's people in your life that you really want to please be because of who they are and their place in your life, maybe a spouse or a friend or a, a parent, a, a teacher, you do anything for them. Well, that's the sort of life that we have with our Heavenly Father. We'd do anything for him. He's given us Christ. He lives within us by his Spirit. He's dealt with our sins. He's saved us for eternal life. Our God is good, and we just want to please him any way we can. And not just ourselves. We want everyone to sow to please the Spirit. This sowing isn't just something that you do on your own. We're in this together. We're here to help each other to sow to please the Spirit. Uh, that's what Paul goes on to say next. Have a look at chapter 6 and verse 1. Chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, 
You who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. So what we have here is spiritual people helping others who are caught in a sin. Now, spiritual people are simply those who are sowing to please the spirit. That's what makes them spiritual. And so those who are sowing to please the spirit are to gently restore those caught in a sin. And as they do it, they're to be careful that they too don't get tempted into the sin, but we're to carry each other's burdens, helping each other to sow to please the spirit and not to sow to please a sinful nature. Because there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. You reap what you sow. If you sow wheat grains, you're going to reap wheat. If you sow uh, corn kernels, you're going to reap corn. If you sow tomato seeds, you're going to reap tomatoes. You reap what you sow. And the same goes for sowing to please the sinful nature or sowing to please the spirit. Chapter 6 and verse 7. 6 verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. There's two big things we're to see from these verses. And the first is that if you sow to please the sinful nature, then you'll reap destruction. If you choose to indulge the sinful nature, paying no regard for the freedom that God has won for you in Christ, and you just use it to ignore God and to live for yourself, completely ignoring the fact that Christ has set you free to live to obey God, if you sow to please the sinful nature, you will go to hell. You'll reap destruction, Paul says. Now, there's something very important we need to realise about this, and it's back in chapter 5. So skip back to chapter 5, verse 21. 5 verse 21. After rattling off the acts of the sinful nature, sexual immorality, debauchery, impurity, all those sorts of things, after rattling off the acts of the sinful nature, Paul says in the second half of verse 21, second half, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, it's those who live like this. It's those who practice these things. It's those, Paul's referring here to habitual action, not an occasional transgression. Remember back in verse 17? Sinful nature and the spirit are in conflict with each other, so you do not do what you want. We still struggle against sin. We struggle. and We're not, we're not going to win every battle, not this side of the new creation. But our assurance is that in Christ we've already been justified. In our struggle against sin... We have the assurance of God's forgiveness in Christ. But if you sow to please the sinful nature, that's not a struggle against sin. That's indulging in it. If you live by the sinful nature, if you practice it, if you indulge in it, Paul says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You can't treat God like a fool. You can't flaunt in his face, indulging the sinful nature, and then say, oh, but Christ died to take away my sin. Yeah, sure, Christ did die to take away your sin, but he didn't set us free from sin so that you go on sinning. That doesn't make any sense, whatever. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. We're not to use our freedom to indulge the sinful nature. 
Instead, as Paul says in verse 8, we're to use our freedom to sow, to please the Spirit. And we'll reap eternal life. Now, it's not that the good things that we do is what earns us eternal life. Uh, We've been seeing that over and over again, haven't we, as we've gone through Galatians these past few weeks. But sowing to please the Spirit is evidence that our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ to take away our sins and that he's given us his Holy Spirit and he's set us free from sin, from its consequences. We no longer have to go to hell and he's set us free from its power and that we can now live to please God. And so we're living free, empowered by the Spirit of God to say yes to God and no to sin, to live rightly and creatively and extensively in the thrilling service of our Lord who died for us. We're free to obey God and it's great. A couple of weeks ago when we looked at chapter 4, we saw how in Christ we're free from having to perform for God. We're free from having to do anything to make God happy with us. Christ has performed for us in his death and resurrection. And to help us feel the weight of that, I pointed out that we're free from having to come to church. We're free from having to put money in the collection. We're free from having to go to a small group or to WOW or to seniors. We're free from having to read our Bibles. We're free from having to pray because you can't impress God. You can't make God happy with you. You can't, you can't make yourself acceptable to him. But now I want to revisit those same things because hopefully you've seen this morning that we're free to do all of them. And so when it is hard to get to church in the morning and there's all those other things you could be doing, by the spirit of God, you're free to come. You've been set free from sin so that you can say yes to God and come to church and serve his people. You've been set free by God to love others. Instead of giving in to laziness and selfishness and just staying home because you don't feel like it, you've been empowered by God to say yes to him and no to sin. It's a similar thing for your small group. Uh, It might be the end of a long day. It might be uh, that getting to wow or seniors in the morning, it might be hard work. But by the Spirit of God, you're free to go. You're free to say yes to God, free to live in self-control and to sacrifice yourself for the sake of others. When the collection bags come around here at church, by the Spirit of God, you're free to give generously. You've been set free from greed. You've been set free to see this world from God's perspective and to get excited about the things he's excited about, about his gospel going out into his world and the salvation of other people. You've been set free by God to give generously to the work of his gospel. When it comes to your personal Bible reading, your daily reading of God's word, it can be hard, confusing, time-consuming, there's all these other things you just need to get done by the Spirit of God. You're free to stop, to take time, and to listen to your Heavenly Father as you read your Bible. You've been set free by the Spirit that you're going to sacrifice other things so that you can uh, heed God's Word. You've been empowered to prioritise your life that other things will get dropped before you drop your reading of God's word. And again, it's similar when it comes to our prayers. We're free 
to pray. To not pray is the height of selfish independence, isn't it? Because to not pray is to say that I don't need you, God, and I'm fine by myself. I don't need to ask you for anything. I'm cool. But by the Spirit of God, we've been set free from sin, set free from selfish independence that we would pray. By the Spirit of God, that we would depend on God for all things and commit all things to him and praise him for his goodness to us in Christ and by his Spirit. By the Spirit of God, we've been set free to pray. Because we've been empowered by God's Spirit to say yes to God and no to sin. We've been set free to live rightly, creatively, extensively in the glad service of our Lord who died for us. God has brought us into the thrill of living for him. Breathe in this freedom, brothers and sisters. Don't just react to life. Get proactive on the front foot. Get creative and live. Live for God by his spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that in his death in our place you have justified us and dealt with all of our sin. Thank you that in him you've given us your very spirit to uh, do battle with our sinful nature, that we might, uh, by your spirit, live to please you. And so we pray that, that he would do wonderful things within us all, and that we would live by him, we would keep in step with him, and that we would be the people of love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Father, please do these good things in us, that we would stand firm in Christ and reap eternal life by your Spirit. And we ask it in the name of your Son. Amen.